Hi everyone, my name is David Birnbaum. Welcome to The Safe Space. With me today is Ariel Zohar. Thanks for joining me. Thank you. Uh, so I'd like to kind of just dive right into your profession because we've had some interesting conversations around that before. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, you're in the medical field, but I'd love to hear a bit more, just like if you could tell us a little bit about you know, what, what you do specifically. Okay, so uh, by my profession, I'm a registered kinesiologist. And as a kinesiologist, there's kind of a wide range of things you can do. Uh, the actual definition is that you uh, study movement. Mm -hmm. uh, so typically kinesiologists work with anyone that has uh, uh, sport-related injuries. Uh, sometimes uh, people that study kinesiology go on to athletic therapy, uh, personal training. Um, some people go into you know, things that are like uh, medical school or, or other things. Uh, I've found myself a lot more comfortable working with physiotherapists mm -hmm. uh, and in the rehab setting. Yeah. Uh, and I found that um, kinesiology was actually a little bit uh, narrow in terms of how it was being practiced in a lot of the uh, in a lot of the private physio clinics I was working at. Mm -hmm. uh, so I took more of an interest in the administration side. Yeah. And now at uh, at the clinic I'm working at, I'm kind of created my own role as the the clinic coordinator, uh, mm -hmm. which basically means like I help with a lot of the administration. Uh, patient onboarding, so any patient that comes in, I, I sit down with them, describe to them their treatment plan, uh, give them a little bit of better user experience mm -hmm. uh, at the clinic, uh, rather than just kind of seeing the physio and then kind of guessing what they need to come in for, how many times per week and so forth, so I, I do a lot of clarifying of that. And mm -hmm. I also do, um, you know, kind of uh, uh, lead more of a support role to like other staff when mm -hmm. uh, uh, people are sick or they need some uh, help at the front desk. I, I can do most of the things in the clinic. Yeah. So, so yeah. All right. Cool. Uh, what really interested me about it is like you were telling me about like the human element of it and, you mm -hmm. know, your workplace in particular mm -hmm. um, and talking about how, you know, you're one of the own like your your coworkers and you are some of the only people that will actually listen to someone yeah. in a given week. Can you tell us a little more like about that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, very early on, I was very, uh, I still am very thankful to have had this mentor. Um, his name is uh, is Fred. He's a practicing kinesiologist and a certified exercise physiologist. Um, and, you know, I got my training with him at, at Jane and Finch, which is not too far from where I studied at York. Mm -hmm. um, and he said, you know, out of the whole week, when people come in for their, their program or their therapy, uh, you're pretty much the only person that listens to them. Mm. you know the sessions wouldn't last long it would be maybe maybe an hour uh usually half an hour but um the main thing is that people you know they come and go from their job and especially in that neighborhood you know the people that are working they're they're working very long hours um and, and typically you know uh, i'm not going to make any uh, comments kind of about the society or anything like that but i find that there's a lot of um there's a lot of points where you can really kind of slow down and, and uh, touch and interact with a person um, that we just kind of pass over yeah. uh, in like the day-to-day. -day. Uh, but, you know, uh, we especially do our best as therapists mm -hmm. to kind of slow down and, and listen to patients and so forth. A lot of the therapy is just really just kind of opening your ear mm -hmm. uh, and showing that you care and that you appreciate them being there yeah. uh, and that you appreciate them appreciating them their own body. Yeah. Uh, enough to be there, uh, whether they're, you know, forced to come there by, you know, some kind of injury that they've had or whether it's their choice, you know, they want to take care of this uh, pain that they've had for a long time kind of thing. 
Yeah. Uh, and I found it was very interesting that, you know, he said that, and it made me it totally reframe the way that I that I treated and the way that I interact with people. Have you found yeah. it's impacted you more overall as well now? Like and yeah. like now that you are, you know that you are that person, right? And you have those interactions more often of mm -hmm. actually like listening to people and paying attention to them. Yeah. That's something that the average person doesn't do in their day-to-day -day life, I'd say. No, I, I, think, uh, I think you're right. I think uh, taking those skills uh, and translating them into different areas and aspects of your life, um, it is something that you need to do regularly, and I think everyone needs to do it. Uh, but, you know, sometimes it occurs to me whenever there's, you know, I'm at a coffee shop or, or um, at a store or, or receiving any kind of service from someone, um, even over the phone, you know, I try, I try and say, hi, how are you doing today? Uh, it's ni nice to meet you. I'm wondering if you can help me. Uh, you know, and then in the process, I, you know, just try and strike up a conversation. Mm. Um, and, uh, you know, especially when, when people do that to me, I notice that uh, I'd much more kind of readily want to help them uh, because they did express, you know, some, some, some kind of like... They recognize you're a human yeah. rather than just someone they have like something they have to interact with exactly even if it's just passive mm -hmm. you know what i mean like it's um it's it's an interesting thing just to uh to stop and kind of watch people at a uh just getting starbucks coffees mm -hmm. uh especially because like they're getting like their first drug fix of the day you know <laughs> what i mean yeah and it's like who is like actually awake mm -hmm. uh 50 percent or not and then who are actually like having a conversation where they're like they're open and, and their body is kind of uh, facing the person they're talking to and they're not just kind of like spitting lines and so forth. And mm -hmm. um, I think, I think you know, after I got that piece of advice from Fred, uh, it, it kind of opened my eyes to like seeing like the regular scene at, at coffee shops. Yeah. And the way that they interact is totally different. Yeah. Uh, I thought that was really interesting too. But... Um, uh, you know, you you speak to a lot of people, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, you know, uh, tell me a, a little bit about like, kind of like, do you find that you have an obligation to kind of slow down your everyday life, especially like when you're doing podcasts and you have to have wicked listening skills for this, right? So, yeah. I I always try to like I think, you know, I always ask consciously ask you know, how's your day going to mm -hmm. whoever's serving me, wherever I go. Yeah. And I've had people tell me that like it actually improved their day that I asked because, you know, they'll interact, especially at something like Starbucks, they'll yeah. interact with like a hundred people in an hour yeah. and no, no one of which cares about them. Right. <laughs> so just true. like taking a minute to recognize that, like, you know, yeah. I wonder how this person's doing. Yeah. It actually, it does, I found make a difference. So it's, yeah. it's, you know, but I, I don't like, I don't live that, you know, in my day-to-day -day life in terms of like uh, my profession, right? Like I don't mm -hmm. have that. I'm, I'm interested in knowing, you know, how, if you can notice how it impacts the people you're actually, because I can mm -hmm. notice it when I like, sometimes when I'm like just, you know, talking to a barista or whatever, can you notice a change in the, in your clients? Yeah. If, if you treat them like, you know, they're having a bad day, but you're treating them well. Um, I, I think for the majority of them, uh, uh, um, you know, I, I hope that it does, uh, not everybody is, you know, kind of slows down enough or, or even kind of realizes, uh, um, uh, 
that you know maybe another person is 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 slowing down for them especially because a lot of the the bulk of the clients that we get um will be between like uh, 4 30 to, to 8 at night mm-hmm. uh, and that's after work man and if i'm going anywhere after work nothing is happening con- consciously you know what i mean yeah yeah um but no it, it is uh it does you know i found especially certain cases that stand out where it's like uh you know people will trust me as a kinesiologist over something that their doctor says yeah and i think it's always good to have uh an open ear and it's it's always good to um get many uh opinions mm-hmm. um but i don't think that i can give medical advice yeah. that is uh-huh. more educated than an md yeah. by any means yeah um but I think where I got kind of like the one up on their doctor is that I actually slowed down. I was like, hey, how's everything going? You know, uh, you talked to me about your, your daughter was graduating soon. Did you guys figure everything out? Mm. Um, even if it's just kind of one thing that you remember about them and you kind of point that out. Um, I think that's, that's a really uh, uh, kind of important thing to, you know, it just, just as kind of like a, uh, to develop like strong client relationships. Yeah. That makes I, think, sense. I think it's something that, that really illustrates that you care. Mm-hmm. Um, One thing that mm-hmm. I, fa- I found that with my experience as well, going to see, you know, uh, physiotherapy or uh, yeah. an osteopath, mm-hmm. like uh, chiropractor as well. Like mm-hmm. a lot of these other like non-doctor healthcare providers, mm-hmm. they seem to care a lot more about my actual health than my doctor. Yeah. Right. My doctor seems very transactional. Yeah. And like one thing we were just talking about, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on it is around like the 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 idea that because people feel that their doctors don't care about their health they care less about their own health mm-hmm. so you, like you say you try to make it evident that you care about these people's health yeah. do you see that reflected in the way they treat themselves and do you think that you know does make sense as a more widespread potential thing i, I think everybody's different in terms of how they respond to uh to treatment, uh, treatment being the actual, you know, uh, the acupuncture, the the physical rehab, mm-hmm. uh, and also just kind of like the the conversational treatment. You know, my colleague said, you know, our therapy is speaking to you. Mm. You know what I mean? Um, but then, the, you know, having a different value for your health, uh, I think I think as as a very skilled practitioner, mm. um, you of course have to be a very skilled listener. Mm. Um, and you also have to be a very skilled uh, um, guide uh, to helping that person understanding their health differently. Um, and if they're already there, if they already have full conviction that they need to make change and they need to uh, be less ambivalent uh, to making change and so forth, and, and they feel like they're in a really kind of like trusting relationship, I think absolutely people open up. Uh, there's been some cases uh, where, you know, I've worked at a couple different clinics. Um, uh, the most recent one, you know, you, you know, I've uh, spoken to people that, you know, they've lost like uh, 30 or 40 pounds um, after they got their knee rehab or after they got their back rehab. Mm. Um, and they weren't active people to begin with and they weren't eating healthy to begin with, but they were inspired by the therapists that were at the clinic. Yeah. Um, and I, I think, uh, I don't want to say that the therapy is... is um, the actual therapy uh, of like maybe doing the stretching and maybe doing the exercise and so forth is a small part of it, but it, it is a piece of the puzzle. Mm-hmm. 
and there are many different pieces to the puzzle of, of therapy yeah and being able to connect with someone and, and really draw on like a relationship with them mm. is huge yeah yeah I, I from my experience like it very much because I go in and get an actual treatment mm -hmm. it feels much more like an actual relationship and like I can slow down then yeah. my doctor who's just like giving me the facts about things right yeah you know I, I'm I have a chiropractor appointment tomorrow and I kind of get excited for that because I get to sit and we talk a bit as he like helps me heal my body right yeah, yeah. which is it's and it it's kind of unfortunate to me that I don't view doctors in the same way as these like whatever like these other healthcare practitioners when you'd think mm -hmm. your doctor should be kind of like the staple yeah no it, it is interesting because um I think I was telling you before, uh, I had one doctor, he closed uh, his office uh, and then I was just, you know, going, uh, looking for a doctor that I really liked and I had to go through four or five doctors before I got to one that actually looked me in the eyes once mm -hmm. throughout my whole interaction with them. Yeah. Um, I know there's some challenges to that, like uh, doctors that are required to, to make notes on every, um, uh, every interaction. Mm. And there's some doctors that can afford to kind of uh, have their interactions recorded and somebody else makes notes, which is actually a pretty, uh, pretty good way of facing it. But mm -hmm. that's if you want to pay for that. Yeah. Um, but, it, but it, you know, th that interaction, I think, is um, uh, like your ability to connect with that person in front of you. It's, it's hugely influenced by whether or not you feel like they actually uh, actually care. Yeah. And it's. You know, I've been to some doctors that, you know, they'll ask me about things kind of like outside of like my direct uh, physical health mm -hmm. and they'll ask me about like my mental health and so forth. Mm -hmm. um, and I, you know, I've, I appreciate that so much. Yeah, I the, the most like holistic experience I had was at a naturopathic doctor. Yeah, I went to one and she was the, the first person who ever asked me about everything that was going on yeah, yeah, because yeah. it is all connected as well. Yeah. Right. Um, and it was just such a unique experience for me, which again, I view as kind of unfortunate. Yeah. Um, I'd love to hear your thoughts on like, you know, we have OHIP that covers a doctor, but not a lot of these other rehab options. Yeah. I, I had an accident, you know, over a year ago and I went through and I had numbness and stuff I couldn't figure out. Hmm. I went, you know, had an MRI and, and I went through the traditional routes and they just kept telling me everything is fine. Yeah. And I'm like, well, I know it's not like, I know you can tell me it is, but it's not. Yeah. And it wasn't until I saw an acupuncturist, a physiotherapist, uh, they started to tell me they knew what was wrong. So I didn't like, and they had a treatment plan and like, they started to work with me and mm -hmm. it was like kind of changed a lot for me. Yeah. And I don't understand why, like that's less important than my doctor. Yeah. So I'd love to hear your thoughts as you know, a practitioner. No, it's interesting. And, you know, we do, uh, at the clinic that I'm working at, we do handle, you know, uh, uh, you know, some motor vehicle accident patients. Um, and it is interesting seeing that journey that they go through uh, because it's highly reflective of, like, I'm not going to say broken and, and a fragmented system, but, um, no, actually, I'll say that. Yeah. It's pretty broken <laughs> and fragmented, man. Yeah. Um, uh, especially especially when uh, uh, you're looking at you know the kinds of services and the kind of care that you get from those uh, practitioners yeah uh, I hate to say it man but 
it's dictated by how much they're paid. Yeah, and uh, I think and and in what way that they're paid too. Yeah. Because if you're going to see a traditional doctor, they get they get a billing um, after seeing a patient, and so a lot of doctors will try and maximize the number of. Well, I'm not going to say a lot of doctors. There are some doctors yeah. that maximize the number of patients they can see, and they have uh, waiting areas referred to as puppy mills, mm-hmm. or nicknamed puppy mills, um, where you know they'll they'll overbook their schedule, <clears throat> and you feel like a puppy getting waited to be picked up by you know yeah. uh, um, you know the doctor after you've been waiting there for a couple hours. Yeah. Um, and that's to, to stack their schedule. Mm. On the other hand, there's there's doctors that'll that'll book a little bit differently because mm. they they really value the um, uh, you know the that interaction and and they they want to run their practice a little bit differently. Uh, you know, I was amazed actually when my one of my colleagues was telling me about a surgeon mm. who was working on actually a patient of his, and he said this is the only surgeon that's taken time out of his his day to do. Um, to do, you know, uh, extra, like very regular follow-ups, mm-hmm. to sit down and ask how the patient's doing and so forth. Yeah. Because, you know, when you go to see a surgeon and know about whether to get surgery or not, there's a saying that goes, you're going to get surgery. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but, you know, the, the, because of the way, for example, that, that surgeons are paid in Ontario and in Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and that comes back to you know your, the kind of interaction that you may have with a healthcare practitioner uh, can be strongly influenced by how they're uh, how they're being paid. So, for example, that naturopath it's probably going to charge you about 150 bucks for the initial, yeah. but they're going to listen to you for an hour or an hour and a half. Yeah, and actually try and help work through everything. Yeah. Right. Not just like it's almost as if a lot of my like I feel like a lot of doctors now. It's kind of like they're just a very good Google, right? Like you tell them the symptoms and they know, okay, this is the default first response. Mm-hmm. It doesn't work. You go back. Well, this is the default second response. They mm-hmm. don't try and listen to like everything and talk to you about what might work best. They don't like f- follow up. They don't ask follow up questions mm-hmm. to learn more about what's impacting you. It's like you yeah. go in with your list of symptoms and they tell you the best response. But you're not a doctor. You don't know if other things could be relevant yeah. that you just don't have on your prepared list. Yeah, and I feel like I feel like also the training for a lot of uh, MDs, maybe 20 or 30 years ago, it didn't touch anything regarding like social and uh, psychological factors mm-hmm. in regards to you know looking at health overall. Yeah. Um, which which is you know it's it's interesting because there's there's been a lot of work that's kind of been developing over that for a very long time. If you look at the uh, the founder of um, of uh, OHIP, um, he had two visions. One was free healthcare for everyone, mm-hmm. which has been executed. That's OHIP, and then the other part of that vision, which is literally part A and part B, so they're full parts of uh, two halves to a whole, mm-hmm. uh, is looking at the socioeconomic uh, and the social social determinants of health. Yeah, uh, it's referred to, which is you know, uh, building communities that are. Um, good for uh you know uh, where people have access to uh healthy food yeah um you know uh, people have access to parks uh, and physical activity mm-hmm. um uh, communities that support uh members that are not doing so well off mm-hmm. uh, and so forth and that was literally the other half of the puzzle and that's been acted out in what's called community health centers mm-hmm. uh, which are, are mainly in you know a lot of low-income communities 
uh, which are doing great work, but uh, you know, you're finding a lot of them are extremely overwhelmed. Yeah. Why? Because the priorities are different mm -hmm. uh, in terms of how it's being acted in the government. Yeah. Um, so, you know, in my, in my short time, you know, I haven't been in the, the rehab scene for that long, mm -hmm. uh, but that's kind of what I've learned. And if you really want to pave out a clinic and, and a way that you want to treat, um, the private's the way to go. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of the surest thing. And that that does make sense, and you see, that's why people go that way because they yeah. can do their thing and try and figure out what they have the flexibility to figure out what works the best, which is kind of contrary to a lot of the standard government think. I yeah. guess. Yeah, I know it's interesting, and I'm sad because we just missed the boat for uh, free prescription drugs <laughs> for everyone under 25. Yeah. Um, but, you know, there, there are some things that are, are starting to come into effect. Mm -hmm. um, I think also in, in sexual education, there's a, there's a strong movement and there's a lot of pushback that happened recently and the, the programs got canceled, mm -hmm. which is very unfortunate. Um, and, it's, it, you know, if you don't even want to uh, talk about the uh, LGBTQ plus uh, kind of conversation uh, and you just want to talk about consent, and if you just want to talk about anatomy and you want to talk about, uh, you know, uh, how actually creating a child uh, happens, like, uh, physically and anatomically, um, that's extremely valuable yeah. to, like, a <laughs> to, like, a first world, you know, kind of nation. Mm -hmm. And the fact that that's not being taught accurately in schools uh, kind of blows my mind. Yeah, that, yeah. that's fair. Yeah. Um, I want to pull it back to you a bit mm -hmm. and I'm interested to know, you know, what your hopes are for yourself and the, your practice, like your personal practice, you know, mm -hmm. like you, I mean, you clearly care about helping people, yeah. right? And you like that, you know, you've had, you have a better ability in your current, um, workplace, mm -hmm. um, as we talked about earlier, but yeah, how do you see, you know, your journey progressing moving forward? Well, you know, the biggest thing is I hope uh, that I can find, um, you know, ways to, to help people understand their health and, and have a different relationship with their health mm -hmm. uh, and also have, you know, an improved kind of experience uh, getting treatment. Yeah. Um, whether, you know, they're, they get injured and have like an ACL tear uh, after, you know, they have a fall in soccer or if they get into a car accident. Mm -hmm. um, I don't, I don't think that people should be pushed around, and I don't think that, that cost should have a really strong influence on, on people's decision whether to get health or, or you know, get the kind of health care that they need. Mm -hmm. um, finding the right person is, is very difficult because it's like, you know, finding a good practitioner is like finding a girlfriend. You know what I mean? Like you want to find someone that can listen to you and, and give you the, the kind of things you need to, to be the best person you can be mm -hmm. uh, and kind of building a, like a really strong partnership. And whether that's, you know, looks like for me, like uh, um, opening my own clinic and just creating that atmosphere or advocating for some change, which I have a couple of friends that are doing and I, you know, I admire them for doing that. It's a very hard and muddy road yeah. uh, to do that, especially in, in the government. Um, uh, you know, that, that's where I see myself. Uh, I see myself, you know, uh, trying to help people uh, uh, pretty much improve their lives and, and really have a different stance on their health yeah. and different relationship with their health than, than they do currently. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's great to hear. It's a very noble goal and, <laughs> and I wish you luck. 
Yeah, it's uh, it's one thing to say it, but it's another thing to do it. So yeah, thank you. That's fair. And I want I want to end. If you have a message to to me to like people our age or generally about their health, what what would your message be to to people mm. about their health? I, I think the the biggest thing is uh, to never stop being curious. Um, you know, the I think the the worst thing you can do for understanding your health is to go on WebMD. Mm-hmm. Um, because everything gives you cancer, yeah, uh, and every symptom you have is uh, going to be the end of your life. Yeah, um, but uh, you know there there are uh, uh, books and resources out there that are that are actually very uh, very good and actually like pretty comprehensive and, and very kind of uh, well broken down. Uh, I think a, a pretty simple one to to read is uh, by Paul Check. It's kind of like his um, his trademark book. Mm. I always mix up the title, but I'm pretty sure it's how to uh, move, eat, and live healthy. I think I totally destroyed it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's it's a he he explains health in a, in kind of like a very simplistic way mm-hmm. and doesn't try and kill you with uh, with language, yeah. which is which is really nice. Um, maybe I can uh, throw some books in the description or yeah, something like yeah, that. Yeah, definitely. Um, but but the main thing is that uh, being healthy is not that complicated, mm-hmm. uh, and you don't have to take it all in, all kind of on at once. Mm-hmm. Um, you just kind of do one one small thing at a time, which is like, you know, um, incorporating more greens into your diet, or uh, you know, taking a five minute walk. And you know, for one day, it's probably not going to have a huge impact. Mm-hmm. Um, but in a year, after you've done that every day, your body's going to thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So the small steps, keep reading and keep being curious, because that's what's going to keep you uh, until the old age, man. Perfect. Well, thank you for sharing that. And thanks for coming on and sharing your experiences with us overall. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. And thanks to all of you for tuning in. Uh, I'd love to hear your thoughts and be sure to tune in next time to The Safe Space.